You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Collective Cafe, a virtual coffee experience which takes place every single Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in both Alpha Collective's Discord, that's discord.gg forward slash alpha collective and startup clubs house in clubhouse it's free it always will be free there are no strings attached there is no bait and switch lurk or listen only chat with one another in our back chat or even come onto stage the coffee shop is open for business whether you're on the treadmill getting the kids ready for school getting yourself ready for work commuting into the big bad city or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom to your home office on monday we manifest on tuesday we talk thought leadership on wellness wednesday we discuss mental health wellness and life skills on thursday we do live book reads and discussions with the author and then on friday it's no agenda friday where there is no agenda start your day off on the right foot on the front foot with virtual coffee with the collective cafe where we mastermind we manifest we collaborate we help one another at the business of web3 or anything else that intersects whether it's culture collaboration creativity innovation disruption entrepreneurship or coaching so give us a subscribe bit.ly forward slash collective cafe to go or a review on your favorite podcast platform if you're listening on demand or of course join us every day live it is addictive and remember it is a safe welcoming space and you will never ever be put on the spot this is alpha collectives collective cafe my name is joseph jaffe good morning good morning everyone it is February 14th, Wednesday. It's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to you. It's 8.02 a.m. And uh, yeah, we're just starting. We've just opened up the virtual coffee shop, ready to talk about. I've got two topics. I actually, you know, I've got two topics to talk about. I've got uh, love. We can talk about love. And uh, Apple's Vision Pro goggles, which is something I've been kind of holding over from last week. Um, let's let's start off with love, but before I do that, just to let people know, if you are listening online, if you are listening to the podcast, that means you subscribe to it, bit.ly forward slash Collective Cafe to go. We have almost 170 episodes that go back to, um, quite frankly, to about July, August, or uh, yeah, about August or September of last year, because we pretty much do this every single day. And uh, the editorial calendar has changed a little bit. Monday, we call Marketing Mondays now. Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're doing live book reads of, uh, at the moment, Crucial Conversations and Four Obsessions of an Extraordinary Executive. Um, We're going to be doing Don't Split the Difference, the Chris Voss book. 
We're going to be doing Rocket Fuel. We're going to be doing uh, a whole bunch of books that really are designed to help entrepreneurs, uh, freelancers, creators, people that are that have to sell, need to sell, need to negotiate. And all you have to do is show up if you want to listen live or subscribe to the podcast. It's really that simple. There's no fee. There's no... Uh, in fact, I just want to keep giving you rather than ask you to give me anything. Quite frankly, if you look in the... Um, in the room chat right now on Clubhouse, you'll see two links. Those links are for something called a POAP, a proof of attendance protocol. So that means if you click on it and you put in your email address, you will be able to mint essentially what is an NFT. But really what it is, it's, it's, um, it's a badge. It's a badge that says, we had coffee together in the month of February. And uh, at some point, you might be able to redeem that badge or badges for a real coffee, if we end up in the same city at the same time, if we end up, for example, um, you know, at a conference together, you can come up to me and say, hey, Joe, I had a coffee with you back in February 2024. And I go, really? I, I don't remember. And you go, yeah, yeah, I was in your, your clubhouse room. And I go, um, well, that's fantastic. Um, how do I know you were in the room? And you'll be, well, I got a poet. And you'll be able to show me that. And I'll go, you definitely were in the room. There's no way that that can be faked or copied or, or, or cut and pasted. And I'll say, you know what? Let me buy you a cup of coffee. Or maybe I'll buy you a cocktail. Or maybe we'll have dinner together. These are the kinds of, I think, surprise and delight, um, loyalty and engagement uh, um, opportunities we have uh, today with the blockchain, with Web3, um, or whatever comes next so that's just a little bit to tell you um, as you sit back and relax. Um, I thought we would start off by talking a little bit about um, about love. And no, I'm not necessarily talking about Valentine's Day. We could. I mean, we could have a whole conversation um, about the commercialization of holidays. Um, but I mean, that's kind of old news. There's nothing exciting uh, to accept the fact that there's a grandfather's day and a grandmother's day and a parent's day and a sibling's day and any opportunity for a new hashtag and, and an opportunity for marketers to sell you stuff. Um, I just want to talk about the actual concept of love. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to, um, for those of you that don't know, uh, in March of 2020, when everyone kind of locked down, um, I started a talk show. Um, it didn't start out as a talk show. It started out as just you know Facebook st- live stream every day. And then I started experimenting with Zoom and then I... I found a piece of software called StreamYard, and the next thing I knew, um, I had a show. I was interviewing people. Today, I've had over 600 uh, plus, plus, plus uh, guests. I've had people like Carol Baskin and Patrick Fabian, who played Howard Hamlin on Better Call Saul, Dan Pink, Seth Godin, Dr. Robin DeAngelo, uh, Dory Clark, Jamal Mashburn. Um, The list goes on and on. Um, It's just been an absolutely, you know, it's been a gift, um, it's just been a gift to talk to some of the leading thinkers in the world, writing some of the most amazing books, you know, creating platforms, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, if you're interested, just go and, and type Joseph Jaffe is not famous, uh, youtube.com forward slash Joseph Jaffe is not famous. Um, and uh, so I've had um, Tim Sanders, who wrote a book called Love is the Killer Rap, and uh, Moshe Engelberg, who wrote a book called The Amore Effect. Um, it's impacted and affected me so much. Uh, today, I'm uh, a business and a leadership coach. 
with EOS, which is the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And uh, that's the link that I've put on, on top. And, um, you know, Gino Wickman, who founded EOS, he, um, he recently put out a, a post and he said um, he'd, he'd uh, delivered over 2,000 sessions with clients. Like as a benchmark, I'm at about 10 or 12 or 13, some, somewhere, somewhere there. I have uh, seven clients at the moment. I started only in June of 2023. And uh, he's at 2,000. And so after 2,000, he said, look, this is what I've learned about uh, entrepreneurs, about growing businesses, about privately held businesses, about small and medium businesses. Um, EOS typically focuses on companies that are about 10 to 250 employees. And there are about 25,000 companies now running on EOS. And he said, there is only one factor that contributes to a business's success or the main contributor, but the overwhelming contributor. He said, there isn't even a close second. So there's only one thing that that ultimately directly impacts a company's success or ability to be successful. And and you might think it's, I don't know, you might think it's culture. You might, I'm sure you have many things that you think it could be. But he said, no. He said, it's a strong leadership team. That's it. It's a strong leadership team. The only thing. Strong leadership team, strong company. And he actually introduced seven tenets or seven aspects of what it is to be, like what does it mean to be a strong leadership team? How do you build? How do you know you're a strong leadership team? And, uh, and the seventh point was love. Love. Genuine love and affection for one another. And that might sound a little woo-woo and it might sound a little, you know, ephemeral and it might sound a little soft, it might sound a little intangible, but genuine love and affection for, for another human being, especially a human being that you work with. I mean, if you think about it, we spend more time with the people we work with than we probably do with our own spouse, with our parents, with our children, you know, with our friends and, and, and extended family. So if you're spending more time with the people you work with, then your actual, then the, then your family, your blood, it 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 makes no sense not to love them. It makes sense. Not, it it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Uh, I should say not to love them. It doesn't make sense not to respect them. It's it's just as simple as that. So that's another you know aspect of of love. Um, I would add. Uh, in fact, in my new book, Forever Changed, How a Global Pandemic Changed My Direction, My Purpose, and My Life, the three f- the, there's a recipe, a formula, for how to become forever changed. And the formula is love what you do, be true to yourself, and stay the course. What I call amor, veritas, and vigor. Love, again. Because when you love what you do, love is also directly connected to, there's a straight line between love and happiness. What is it to be happy? What is it to be fulfilled? What is it, you know, to have joy in your life? What is it to, you know, love the journey with all the bumps and bruises and all the the, the failures and the rejections part of life? How can you not love if you don't love what you do. In fact, I'll give you one more proof point while we're talking about love. 
Tony Watley was on my show and uh, he said, this is very profound and I wrote this in the book. He said, it's not like you have to love what you do. But if you don't, he said, there is someone who does love what they do, doing your exact same job. And head to head, there's no comparison. I found that to be one of the most profound things I've ever heard. It's not like you have to love what you do. But if you don't, there is someone who does, who literally lives for it, who lives for it and who loves for it. And when it comes down to you versus them, it's not even close. They're going to go the extra mile. They're going to put their back into it. They're going to pour themselves into it. They're going to, you know, for them, it's more than a paycheck. For them, it could be a calling. There are many factors why. It could be gratitude. It could be appreciation. It could be work ethic. It could be culture. It could be core values. It could be so many different things. But at the end of the day, without love, we're, we're, we're dead on arrival. We're just going through the motions. The machines will win without love. AI will, will conquer the human, uh, humankind. If we, if we take love out of the equation... So on this Valentine's Day, I just thought that it was important to recognize the power of love. I'm just completely riffing today, but I like so my mind is going to go in many different directions. If anyone wants to, you know, join the conversation, feel free to come on stage or or share. Um, but I'll tell you a couple of other things. You know, in my um, in my earlier books my second book was called join the conversation uh, how to engage marketing weary consumers through the power of community dialogue and partnership it's very interesting because i wrote the book in 2007 so here we are 17 years later join the conversation that phrase that you hear all the time in social media that's my phrase i created it I didn't call it social media at the time. Social media was really, really new at the time, to be honest. Very new. I'm not even sure if the, if the phrase probably existed. But uh, in fact, I'm sure it did. But it hadn't really caught on. But I didn't want to use the word social media. I used the word conversational marketing. And, and you know, fair play, it didn't catch on. I hoped conversational marketing would would catch on rather than social media because marketing is bigger than media. Marketing as a thought is bigger than media. Media is a subset of marketing. Also, I always love the quote from television personality Ernie Kovach. He said, television, a so-called medium, because it is neither rare nor well done. I love that quote. It's neither rare nor well done. It's medium. Who wants to be medium? Media. And media really comes down to, even though we call it paid, earned, owned, shared media, it's about us trying to infiltrate our way into somebody's life and get and sell stuff. So for me, for me, media was always oil. 
as in snake oil, as in a snake oil salesman, whereas social is water. Without social in our lives, without the ability for us to be around other human beings, to talk, to connect, to collaborate, to commiserate, to network, whatever, without the ability for you and I to go and have that beer or that cup of coffee once you produce that poem to me, without that, without water, we wither and die. We can survive for extended periods of time without food, but we cannot without water. So if social is water and media is oil, guess what? Oil and water don't mix. And yet we took social, we put it together with media, we called it social media, and we expected it to work. I said this all the way back in 2007. And here we are now, 17 years later, finally realizing, in this case, that I was right. In this particular case, this whole backlash against social media, it has its roots in the reality that we've somehow bastardized and and tried to bring two worlds together, humans connecting with humans and companies trying to connect with humans or companies trying to sell to humans. And maybe that's why we're seeing all of this upheaval and turmoil. But anyway, I digress. Let me get back to the point I wanted to make. You know, one of the things I said at the time in my presentations, my keynotes, I've been fortunate enough to keynote in over 50 countries in the world. And I would say, um, I want to talk to other human beings online. And yet, a shoe keeps trying to be my friend. And a can of Coke keeps on telling me to like it. I don't want to talk to a can. I don't want to talk to a shoe. I want to talk to the people who made the shoe. I want to talk to other people who drink from the can. But I don't want to talk I don't want to talk to a can. And the other thing that we were seeing at the time was that you know, talking about love on Valentine's Day, it to me it, it wasn't just a coincidence that basically what Facebook was telling us to do was to downgrade love to like. That little thumbs up, that like button at the time. Why would we like? Why, If we love, why would we like? Just even the words. It just scrimped out something was wrong. Something didn't make sense. Why would we downgrade love to like? We should be upgrading like to love. That's the goal. That always was the goal. And with everything with everything that we're discussing today, all of these just different proof points about like and love, um, was a quote yesterday. Um, I didn't, I was actually pre-recording my show yesterday and I didn't get to it. I... Uh, but this was the quote. So perfectly appropriate, I mean not appropriate, but perfectly opportune, I should say, to actually share the quote with you. The quote is, if no one hates it, no one really loves it. So the opposite of love, one might say, is hate. 
or the opposite of hate is love, or maybe they're not opposite each other at all. I often say that, of course I want you to love me. I would love it if you would love me. But if you don't love me, I'd rather you hate me. I want you to feel something towards me. What I don't want is for you to have no opinion, for you to be apathetic or indifferent. Joseph Jaffe, eh, whatever. Cut and paste. He's one of a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand, a million. Seen one, seen them all. Seen one business talk show host. Seen one author. You know, seen them all. That to me is death. That to me is is defeat. When you have absolutely no opinion of something or someone, when you just don't care. You don't care enough to care. That's the enemy here. I, uh, one, of my, one of my quotes that I use in my presentations is this idea that says, um, yeah, of course I want you to love me, right? But if you don't, then I'd, I'd prefer you to hate me. And here's the point I make. Hate is actual love, but it's just in disguise. So when someone says, I hate you, They're saying, I love you, I just want you to work a little bit harder to earn that love. Not always, but, you know, if you think about your relationships. A kid says to a parent, I hate you, I hate you. Of course they love them. In this case, the parent doesn't need to work a little bit harder to earn the love. But the love is there. It's just buried or it's confused or you have to work a little bit harder maybe to earn back that love. Or at the time, a young kid can't see the love and realizes at some point that there was nothing but love. So we want, we need people to feel. It is feeling, it is emotions that ultimately power this world. Not only emotions, right? There's logic and emotions. It's balance. We don't want our emotions to get the better of us. We're busy reading crucial conversations, and crucial conversations are defined as conversations where there is a differing point of view, where the stakes are high, and where, em- and where there are emotions in play. We want to be able to also, you know, manage and control and harness those emotions. We don't want our emotions to rule us. But without emotion, again, we're just sterile and inanimate. There's no empathy. You've heard me, uh, those of you that are regulars here or listening online or you know, subscribe to the podcast, a concept that is used often um, in our coaching in EOS, which is the concept of healthy and smart. Healthy and smart, it's a concept that has been uh, written about and, and created by many of the, the great writers and coaches like Patrick Lencioni. It's EQ and IQ. It is the ability to have both at the table as you know, dynamic duo, Batman and Robin, however you want to look at it. Smart, IQ, intellect, you know, strategy, plans, left brain, however you want to call it, healthy team health, empathy, 
EQ, the ability to feel, the ability to want to help. And we need both. This is a day, Valentine's Day, for us to really focus. Whether you are doing something with your with your partner, whether you are, you know, uh, yielding to and submitting to the commercialization of the day, which is okay. I would just say don't buy one of those overpriced greeting cards because they're ridiculous. But, you know, go out for dinner. Nothing wrong if you, if you, listen, if you go out for dinner every other night, don't go out for dinner. But if you haven't gone out for dinner for a while with your with your spouse or significant other, it's a good opportunity just to go. Why not? But maybe from a a leadership standpoint, an entrepreneurial standpoint, a business standpoint, we can actually um, think about Valentine's Day from the perspective of team health and, and almost a, I don't know, a secret weapon competitive advantage that allows us to I don't know bring something else into the frame bring something else put something else on the table especially if you feel nothing's working especially if you're frustrated why not turn to love it might just surprise you So I'm going to shift. If anyone has any thoughts or comments, please feel free to put them in the chat or, you know, if you have any questions. I'm going to shift to a second part of the conversation today. And um, just to let you know that tomorrow there will be no collective cafe. Um, I am in, I'm at an event So I will not be in the cafe. The cafe will sadly be closed. But at some point, I hope once we and when we, uh, not if, but when we grow this to a point where we have consistently, again, 50, 100 people. You know, I remember the good old clubhouse days when there were 500 people in the room at one point in time. But uh, sadly, not enough people love clubhouse at the moment. But, uh, you know, Um, but at some point, when we do get to where we need to get to, we are um, I'll be able to have always someone in the actual sessions with us. And uh, also to let you know that uh, next week I have coaching sessions um, on Tuesday and Friday. Um, so, you know, for those of you that, that are coming back, I mean, the idea is I'm here every day. Um, no session tomorrow, uh, but, but there will be a session on Friday. And then next week, there will be, it's President's Day, but, uh, but I will be doing a session on Monday, on Wednesday, and on Thursday. So just to let you know. Um, it is possible with my two coaching sessions, possible that I may actually still come in at eight and do just a shortened version. So please, if you are, you know, if this is part of your routine, if, uh, if you like the idea of typically, I mean, you might have just been surfing clubhouse at the moment or just randomly seen a link on twitter or whatever the case may be um do you know for sure definitely i'm not in tomorrow um but tuesday and friday there's a very good chance that i might come in and just do a shortened 
version as well and just keep the momentum going. All right, so let's move um, uh, let's move into a different topic. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Apple's Vision Pro goggles. So um, I, I had a little bit of fun. Um, I went I went into ChatGPT and I said um, I said if people came up with the name glass holes for people wearing Google Glass or glass holes, uh, what is the equivalent name for people walking around wearing Apple's Vision Pro? And so uh, Chat uh, GPT came out with the idea of um, of Pro Peakers, Pro Peakers. So you know, I'll read to you what what Chat said. Let's coin a term that encapsulates the awe and sometimes the audacity of wa- walking around with a piece of cutting edge technology strapped to one's face. How about Pro Peakers? It's playful and a little irreverent. It captures the essence of peering into the future while also inviting those sidelong glances from folks still grounded in today's tech landscape. I didn't like it because, you know, I was like, uh, I want to be a little bit, you know, a little bit more provocative. I want the connotation of a dork, an arsehole or, or, or similar. And so, um, so chat came back with five equivalents. Um, vision vein, a playful jab at the wearer's possible preoccupation with flaunting the latest in tech fashion, suggesting a blend of vanity and futurism. Um, eye braggers for those who can't resist showing off, uh, highlighting not just the device, but the act of boasting about owning one. Tech twits, I would actually probably go along with te- tech twats. Uh, a snarkier take, this one merges technology with a lack of social grace, aimed at those who might be a tad too engrossed in their high-tech bubble. Gadget Goon was number four. This one evokes the image of someone a bit too attached to their gadgets, perhaps at the expense of actual human interaction. And then the final one was Elite Eyesores, a term that that critiques both the exclusivity and the conspicuousness of wearing such a device, implying a disconnect from the aesthetic norms of everyday life. I didn't like them. And I was like, I was like, you know, like I'm, and then I was like, maybe, like, wouldn't it be nice to be like vision, like, like instead of vision pros, like vision something with a V, like vision veins or vision, you know, like I couldn't think of vision vindictive, like something with a V, vision viperous, vision vaunters, vision. And I, and, and, and then I was, I came up with it myself. So in this case, um, the human uh, said, I got it. How about eye moles? Um, like little I and then M-O-L-E. And I actually got some like really cool images. Um, I wish I could show you um, in Clubhouse, but if you do go into, uh, let me just give you the link. Um, it's it's discord.gg forward slash, I'm going to just change the link now. So it's discord.gg, let me just put it in, uh, f- forward slash, Alpha Collective, you will see the image that I got. I think it's a classic. Um, So if you go into that Discord server and you join it and you go to the cafe chat, uh, I'm posting it there right now, uh, the image of the eye mole, uh, which I think is absolutely classic. Um, So what I wanted was like a a kind of a, 
a Brooklyn hipster, you know, kind of like Manny purse, you know, flannel, you know, IPA, facial hair, but but a mole. And, uh, and that's what I came up with. So I want to say a few things about, about the Vision Pro. So first of all, let's just... Um, by the way, I just saw Slick wrote a comment and he said, taking a few minutes to show you care about your clients and customers make you stand out from others. Simply asking about their day, weekend or interests can nurture a positive relationship. So I'm actually glad you wrote that because here's just a little simple uh, technique or tactic, which is reach out to all your clients today. Just send them all a note. Hey, just want to say, you know, Valentine's Day might be a, you know, a uh, some people might feel that uh, Valentine's Day has been commercialized, uh, but I'm using it as an opportunity just to reach out to my clients um, with just three simple words. I love you. How about that? Just a simple, a simple note to your clients, just to say you love them and appreciate them. So thank you for that, Slick. So going back to Vision Pro for a second, I think it's important to note that Vision Pro sold, sold out in, you know, again, lightning f- record fashion. At how much was it? $3,000 or $4,000 a pop. Um, there's an, an article that I found and I'll go ahead and uh, I'll pop it into the, uh, into, uh, the chat. Um, and I can actually do this both uh, for you in, in Clubhouse and also um, in Discord. So let me just put that there. And I thought this article really captured the essence of the conversation. It said, it was called, You Can't Overcome the Dork Factor. And it talks about, uh, you know, the... So first of all, before I get into it, I just want to say a couple of things. One is, you can never write off Apple. Like never, ever, 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 and let me say it again, ever write off Apple. Because they just win every time. Yes, they've had some massive you know, uh, failures, the Newton. There are some things that just absolutely have not worked. But for the most part, everything they do finds a way to win. And, you know, I even remember, and I've been skeptical twice before. This is the third time I'm still a little skeptical. But I'm already telling you that, you know, I remember giving a keynote presentation to Disney in Orlando and I was asked at the end, it just, it had nothing to do with the presentation, but because I was, you know, thought leader in the space, in digital, whatever, they said, what do you think about this new iPhone that apparently is coming out? And my response was, honestly, you know, I haven't seen it yet, so I can't really comment, but what's Apple, why is Apple getting in the, into the phone business? Like, I don't get it. I don't get how and why Apple would want to get into the phone business. It seems like maybe, you know, the tyranny of line extension. Are they losing, are they moving away from their core focus? Um, it just seems like they're taking on established players that know more about phones <clears throat> than Apple. And I don't know how Apple can take them on and win. Boy, was I wrong. Boy, was I wrong. And actually, you know, in truth, if I was to 
almost retroactively defend myself, <laughs> although I'm already, you know, and I'm reaching here. At the end of the day, the iPhone is really not a phone, is it? Right? Is it? It's not really a phone. I mean, what percentage of your life do you spend um, actually, you know, on the phone, on, you know, making phone calls, cellular phone calls, right? Cellular phone calls on a phone. If anything, you're doing voice over IP calls, you're FaceTiming, you know, you're, uh, you're making, you know, and you're doing everything else. So maybe Apple did have no business getting into the cellular phone business, but they sure as hell knew something about creating this mobile device that had form and function. And by the way, they just partnered with the cellular providers. So yeah, they might have taken on the Nokias and the Sony Ericssons and the Blackberries and the and the Motorola's and one, but you know, so that was number one. Number two, when when Apple announced the AirPods, and I'll never forget, like Tim Cook said, you know, sometimes courage and bravery is required to, to take uh, a step or make a leap. And I was like, bravery? This is courage to come out with a bunch of dorky looking, they look like, I don't know, African earrings or, you know, something like, you know, like I just, people aren't going to walk around with these, you know, these things dripping from their ears. Now, I can't imagine being able to exist with wires coming from my ears down into my pocket. Being able to go for a run to just walk around and be completely untethered to my device, but also not have wires. So once again, I was wrong. And I'm probably going to be wrong again with the Vision Pro. In fact, I know I am. And I'll tell you why, because I've experienced VR before. And it is game-changing. It's life-changing. VR is so powerful that literally you are going to walk into walls. You're just going to like lose touch of and forget that you forget reality for a moment. And of course, it's not just VR, it's AR. It's it's, you know, an augmented layer. It's an additional layer of context. And it's immersive and surrounding. I haven't heard one person who actually has these Vision Pro goggles say that the experience was meh. Remember, love, hate. I haven't heard one person say they have no opinion, they're indifferent, they're apathetic. It is game-changing. The issue, at, and, and I will make another comment as well, which is, and I read this commentary and I thought it was very, very astute, which was, recognize this is going to be the worst version or edition of the Vision Pro in the history of Vision Pro. So imagine this was the very first iPhone. And today you've got the iPhone that you have today, right? It's you know that that's coming. You know it. So you know that right now, if you're making any or passing any commentary on Vision Pro, you are essentially commenting on the very first iPhone, either pre-launch or worse, and by the way, a lot of people do this. A lot of people do this. They like to comment on things they haven't even used. 
I haven't used the Vision Pro. I can tell you now for a fact, when I experience it and demo it for the first time, I will be like, holy, holy crap, this was incredible. It's inevitable. So you have people commenting on things they haven't seen or used or felt and feel like they're experts. It's arrogant, it's foolish, it's narrow-minded, it's short-sighted. I've done it before. And recognizing even people that are commenting on it now that it is V1.0 and soon there will be 2 and 4 and 8 and 8S and 8S Plus Pro Max Mini whatever. The price is going to come down. Software, you know, use cases are going to go through the roof. I guess the challenge I had was seeing people walking through the streets with them. It just didn't sit well. It doesn't sit well. I don't think it ever will. You know, the one thing Apple actually did, and I know this because I study this and I focus on it, and it's my business, but the re- one of the reasons why Google Glass failed was because people were putting a layer between them, an unnecessary layer between them and the, and the world. And actually, the, the antidote to Google Glass was the Apple Watch. Not Vision Pro, the Apple Watch. And I remember hearing commentary on it, and I think it even came from Apple, which is your watch sits on your wrist. Your wrist, your hand is an extension of your wrist. Your wrist is an extension of your arm. Your arm is an extension of your body. So it's a part of you. And it's natural to look at your, to look at your wrist, to look at the time. It's natural to move your arms. Which is why it has an accelerometer and 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 you know at the time the the screen would come on when you lifted your arm above your face so it's much more natural to be able to glance at your it doesn't feel as rude to kind of naturally look at the time whereas when somebody's busy tapping on their face and you're worried that they might be recording you there, there, there are so many concerns. I absolutely see a use case, bar none, bar none for Vision Pro in the house. In fact, I think it replaces the television screen. It should replace the television screen. You should not need a flat screen. You should not need any screens anymore. You should be able to sit in bed, lean back in bed, put on these goggles have an immersive experience with additional, you know, kind of functionality like subtitles or, you know, be be able to see alerts or text messages if that's what you choose, multiple screens. I can also see an, an obvious, you, there's so many use cases. Education. You know, being able to see the screen or certain slides and see the lecturer. Or it just seems like there should be the abilities um, to use them in educational um, instances. I could probably also just, you know, imagine a use case in, in healthcare. 
surgery, being able to actually, you know, have um, magnification and step-by-step guides in certain respects. But what what I have a problem with is the social people walking through the streets with or without the wire coming protruding from the goggles. It doesn't seem, it seems more media and less social. It seems more oil and less water. It doesn't seem like it's going to solve the issues and the challenges of depression and and, and increased suicide and mental health and isolationism. That's my concern. Quite frankly, that's my only concern. So I want to just talk about this article briefly. And, you know, the article um, talks about the segue. It uses that as, you know, the, the author talks about the segue and, and actually how, it was funny, Segway inventor Dean Kamen said the device would be to the car what the car was to the horse and buggy. Steve Jobs called it as big a deal as the PC. You know, John Doerr, investor, mused that it could be bigger than the internet, predicting the company would be the fastest in history to reach a billion dollars in revenue. They built a factory capable of producing 40,000 units per month. It took them six years to sell 30,000 in total. And of course, the ultimate story is it was sold in 2009 and... It was sold to a conglomerate led by someone by the name of Jimmy uh, Hesselden, uh, who died less than a year later when he accidentally drove his Segway off a cliff. I remember that story. But the point the article makes is that you look like a dork on one. and not, You look like a dork and a conspicuous dork. You didn't really look at someone zipping around and go, oh, I wish that were me. Maybe in, a, in another world, <clears throat> if I'm more successful in life, if I win the Powerball, I can buy one of those Segways. I feel differently with a Tesla, by the way. I would love nothing more than my self-driving, autonomous, you know, intelligent Tesla. I don't necessarily feel someone driving around in a Tesla is a conspicuous dork at all. So that's, you know, that's the issue. Number one, people separating themselves from the world, the eye mole, but also looking, quite frankly, not like a conspicuous Brooklyn hipster, but a conspicuous Dork. I want to also read uh, a quote, uh, <clears throat> which I think is kind of really interesting. Um, this is basic human psychology. The ev- evolutionary goal is for people to want to mate with us. For that to happen, we need to stand out, but not too much, and only in ways that increase our perceived status or appeal. As Scott Galloway says, We're highly discerning about what we put on our face. As it must enhance, not impair our ability to assert dominance, attract mates, and make connections. There is no version of a headset or goggles that makes us seem more appealing. None. 
So as I said earlier, you know, shipments sold out in 18 minutes. I'm reading the article. They've sold more than 200,000 units. That's $700 million in revenue. But, you know, this, the author actually says, but let's just also, you know, kind of level set here because there are 900 million iOS users in the world. Many of them diehard fans. Surely it's not that hard to get 0.02%, percent of them to be early adopters. Actually, not really early adopters at all, but more like innovators. There are people that will do whatever Apple says. There are people that absolutely 100% anything that Apple comes out with, they're just going to buy it. They're just going to buy it. They're not even going to think. And there are people that actually accept and say, I don't care whether it works or not. I don't care whether it succeeds or fails. If you think about it, those people, they win both ways. Because they win by being early, earliest. That's bragging rights. They get to say, I was one of the first in the world. I was there on day one. And if it fails, they get to put it on their shelves as a museum item, as a relic, like the Newton. And they get to be able to say, I remember when. Just like I have my pets.com sock puppet. It's nice to be able to sometimes reminisce about the shockers and the, the Coca-Cola classics and all those, you know, the new Coke uh, horror stories. When marketing actually just completely strikes out, you know, <clears throat> comes up goose eggs, so to speak. So those are my thoughts, you know, on uh, on Vision Pro. I think that putting things on our face will, you know, it's it's absolutely going to continue. Um, you know, there will be there will be uh, the devices will get more powerful. They'll get lighter. They'll get cheaper. Um, you know, there's no question about that. What I question is the ability for us to ignore basic human psychology. And, and I, but, but at the same time, and again, you know, recognizing we've, we've seen, we've heard um, stories and, and um, you know, models and uh, and you don't have to be you don't have to be uh, a a genius. You don't have to have a vivid sense of imagination um, to be able to recognize that that they will get smaller as well. And of course, many people have asked the question, or or even posited. Again, it doesn't take much imagination to think about the fact that these could very well be, you know, printed on or embedded into um, actual glasses, adds on to glasses and even contact lenses. But let's not check our humanity at the door. Let's not lose sight of, you know, these basic human psychology, behavioral uh, points about mating, about being dorks, about being self-conscious, and, and about things like privacy. 
I mean, there are those Ray-Bans that are circulating right now that apparently that have meta, you know, live streaming capabilities and, and capturing capabilities. And um, it's very concerning that someone is absolutely in front of you wearing what looks like a pair of Ray-Bans and they could be recording you. And of course, you know, Meta's response is, well, there's a small red light. And when that red light is on, it means you're being recorded. Well, what if I didn't look or know or what if that was disabled? Come on, we can do better than that. We are in a, not just a mental health crisis at the moment, we're in a social crisis. One of the things that I wrote, just to kind of wind down, and I said this in that same presentation, which is I don't want to be friends with a can or a shoe. Right? I want to talk, I want to be friends with the people that design the shoe. I want to be friends with the people that drink the can. But I said we need to put the social back into media. We need to put the social back into marketing. Personally, I'd prefer us to separate the two. But we need to make sure that we do not check our humanity at the door. Because humanity could very well be at a crossroads, you know, at a at a or on a precipice. And the decisions we make now may have long-term repercussions. They already have in terms of the addiction, the social media addiction. It feels like coming full circle to say that on this Valentine's Day, on this Valentine's Day, reach out and touch someone appropriately. Reach out to your clients and tell them that you love them and appreciate them. Reach out to your employees and your colleagues and tell them that you love them and appreciate them. Reach out to your friends and your family and tell them that you love them and appreciate them and try maybe, just maybe, to spend a little bit less time on devices today and maybe, just maybe, spend a little less time separating yourself from the outside world. So for all of you eye moles out there, take off the goggles, expose your eyes to the beautiful sunlight and the beautiful imperfections of human beings around you. That's how we win. That's how humanity wins. So thank you for your time today. We're going to wrap up. I appreciate the hearts, everyone. I will give you some hearts back as well. We do have about five minutes, so if anyone has any comments uh, in the chat or want to come up to stage, uh, now would be a time to do it. Otherwise, I will give you back five minutes of your life <laughs> and of your day uh, that you can go out and start making those calls or or emails or whatever the case may be. And uh, again, I will not be here tomorrow, uh, but I will be back on Friday. And um, have a wonderful, wonderful Valentine's Day, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.